So welcome to the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. I'm Jeremy Devins and here with one of my mentors and one of my early teachers, Cable Hausman. And uh, we were just about to start talking. So I was like, wait, let me hit record. Uh, Hey, Jeremy. Good to be here. I'm so happy to be here, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Uh, He was just telling me how uh, one of his students came up and heard about or heard me mention him on the podcast. And I've wanted to do this interview for a long time, just never really got around to it. And I've got my like interviewing scheduling set up now. So it's like easier to do this. So, uh, so finally got around and I know you've been busy with school and everything. So, uh, yeah, it's been a while since we talked as you're about to say before I started recording. Yeah. Gosh, it has been a while, but like how long have we even known each other? I, I want to say we met after I moved back from, I had lived here in Austin and I'd been teaching here for a long time. And then I moved to DC for like a less than a year. And I think we met after I came back from that. Yeah. So I moved to Austin 2011. So somewhere in like 11, 12 or 13 is probably when I first saw you or came to a class. I think I, I moved back in the fall of 2012. So it was like 2012, 2013. Right. Yeah. So and, years. and that's where uh, I've mentioned on this podcast through Yoga Yoga a few times, like there's such an awesome hub and like community there. And I think I thought of you as like one of the leaders and like the heart of that. And uh, Gosh, that's, that's honestly like, so like heartwarming to hear because Yoga Yoga was my first home for yoga. You know, like the first place, the first yoga studio that I walked into um, and the place that I carved out a little space where I could feel safe and happy and welcome. Um, and then turned around once I worked and was able to do the same thing with other people. Um, and the way that they shut down was honestly so both dramatic and traumatic uh, for so many people, especially teachers, you know, um, it was so hard. It was, a, it was a big thing to process, but I like just recently hit a spot where I was like, God, I can really think about the good times and like, all of my friends that I made there and the students that I was able to connect with and the teachers that I got really close with. And it's finally getting to a point where like the memories are really good for me now. Yeah. And you had like the the really big gentle group on Sundays and then like they just moved over to Black Swan with you, didn't they? Yeah. 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 Black Swan was like a mile down the road. And this is the one black swan that has two classrooms um, and they weren't using it except for teacher trainings on the weekends and at nights. So I went to their manager, Patsy, and I was like, hey, Patsy, hear me out. (laughs) I know that black swan is known for flow and sweaty classes, but like we have an extra room and I have an entire room full of people that need a space. Can we please use this space? And Patsy, because she's an amazing human person, was just like, yes, do it. Bring your people over here. Let's give them a home, you know. <laughs> but this is also like, that's the that's the ending of one of my favorite Yoga Yoga stories. When Yoga Yoga shut down, when it was ceased to be a business and they didn't, you know, like they didn't pay us. We were, everybody was angry and mad. Um, I still showed up to the studios every Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning at 9 a.m. I had a key to the side door and I would unlock the door and all of my people would come in and we would still use the room, clean up afterwards, and then just sneak out when we were done. (laughs) And we did that three times a week for like six weeks before one of my my clients, these clients remember like, they're mostly seniors. You you sub that yeah. class a lot, right? Yeah. There there were a lot. It's a lot of senior citizens who just wanted to like take it super easy and be chill, and they turned into a big family pretty much. Yeah. But one of them was a lawyer, and he was like, "Hey, um, maybe we should consider finding a new place to do this because like <laughs> we're breaking and entering." <laughs> you know? And I was like, "Oh, you're right. Maybe we shouldn't commit crimes." Um, <laughs> the most Austin of story, like. Me and a bunch of senior citizens broke into a studio <laughs> three times a week for a couple of months to do yoga. <laughs> Gentle yoga. <laughs> Gentle yoga. We just wanted to chill out and hang out and have a good time. So B and G. No, it's a B, B, E, and. <laughs> yes. Then I forgot about that because I was off 
I, I stopped teaching there shortly before that. But I was still getting emails of like, yeah, we can't pay anybody anymore, but you can still come teach. <laughs> that was such a tricky, tricky thing. Um, and that whole experience was a huge like learning experience for me that I took into a lot of trainings to this day because there were a lot of teachers there, there are a lot of yoga teachers who do not teach as their primary form of income. Yeah. You know, there were, we had a lot of, we, we had a lot of really gifted and loving teachers who were able to teach and didn't need that income. I, on the other hand, if I didn't get paid for teaching, I didn't have a roof over my head because I had just left my relationship. Like my marriage ended right before yoga, yoga shut down. And I was like, I'm going to be fine. I've taught here for nearly 20 years. This job is secure and stable. <laughs> and then it was not. Um, but there were teachers who were like, we have to show up. It's our duty. We, we, Even if we're not being compensated, we still have to show up because it's what we do. And it's our job as light workers and energy workers. And I was like, that's cute. But... <laughs> I have bills, like I, I I have rent, I have to pay utilities, you know? Um, and going into like negotiations with other studios, I've, I've always kept that front of mind. Like, I know I'm not gonna get rich teaching yoga and I don't really care to, I'm, I don't really care about that. Um, I do wanna be able to have my basic human needs met though. Yeah. So I go into like studio negotiations with that in mind. And I tell other people in teacher training, like, you need to make sure that your needs are met and that you feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. And if anybody could have seen, could have thought you had job security, it would have been you because you were like the first actual teacher right after Matab. And oh, no, no, that was no. that was the other cable. Oh, okay. <laughs> there was a, there was another cable who was one of the original business partners at Yoga Yoga. Um there are a lot of strange cable similarities we can talk <laughs> about. Like, cable, apparently, we're very similar. Um, I mean, we've 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 known each other for a little while, but we both have rose tattoos on our arms. Oh wow! Um, she just graduated with a master's in social work. I'm working on a degree in social work right now. Um, there's also another cable in Los Angeles, who is a yoga teacher, and I don't know her. Never met her before. But she's she's also has a master's in social work. It's I mean, I, I think being cable is like a very specific role. <laughs> <laughs> and they get all three of you together, be like the Spider-Man scene where they're pointing at each other. Exactly. It's going to be exactly like that. And then, well, we would probably figure out a way to like, I don't know, burn down the patriarchy. Right. <laughs> it's like a very cable move. But so what I'm remembering it wrong then. It's like maybe you weren't trained in Ashtanga or something and they need an Ashtanga teacher early I, on? Yoga Yoga's very first teacher training um, started in 2001. And I happened to fall into that accidentally. Like the way that I landed in that program was such a fluke. Um, I didn't I didn't mean to. Do you want that story right now? <laughs> <laughs> I remember, okay, was this you that, that talked about the yoga for regulars? That no, that was yoga for normals. That is another one of my stories. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I, I I rolled into a yoga studio and I took a class. It was an Ashtanga class with Sharon Moon. Um, and I loved her so much. Yeah. And I had questions. I came back the next day. I had questions. I came back the next day, more questions. And finally, after like five days, she was like, you have a lot of questions. You should come back tomorrow. We're doing something called intro to yoga and i came back for intro to yoga it was six hours and then she said well tomorrow we're doing another intro series you should come back for that and i came back for that and afterwards um someone else told me uh danielle king parmatma she told me uh hey that was the first weekend of teacher training you just <laughs> want to sign up and i was like i have a lot of questions about yoga like i guess i should so Five days of yoga practice, and I'm in a yoga teacher training. Didn't mean to teach. So, but at the end of it, at the end of it, there were only 10 people who graduated from the Ashtanga program. They had a Hatha program, a Kundalini program, and an Ashtanga program. Only 10 people in the Ashtanga program. And Sharon was like, 
I'm going on vacation. I would love it if you sub my classes. And I said, oh no, I'm, I don't think I'm ready to teach. I don't think I'm prepared to teach. And she said, I, I think you are. And I think you'll eventually be really good at it. So just teach my classes. And I said, yes, ma'am, because you don't really say no to your teacher, right? <laughs> so it's just like all these serendipitous kind of things where you just kind of end up on this path, it seems like. I, yeah, you know what? I, I've always just kind of trusted that things would work out the right way. Um, and that if something felt bad, I would realize that and get out. You know, yeah. I've always kind of just gone with the flow and jumped away from things that, that seemed weird or, or scary. So, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I think I'm really lucky to have ended up where I was. Yeah. So that was like 2001, you said? I began teaching at Yoga Yoga in 2001 or 2002. Wow. And they opened, so I was like out of the spare bedroom in Matab and Guru Karam's house in like 97, right? I think 97, 97 was when they opened the first location on South Lamar. Okay. And they hit, I think they're, they taught in the spare bedroom in Matab and Guru Karam's place in Travis Heights. And then for a while they taught at, like, I mean, they used to teach at, at the the original Whole Foods. Oh, wow. Yeah. And now the original Yogi Yoga, that's the Snooze Eatery one, right? That is, I want to say it's Haley Cakes now, right next to Snooze. Okay. It's kind of a trip. You could, I could go into the Snooze and like, that's the main room. Like, uh, Yeah, you're like, I have taught so much yoga here. <laughs> right, right there. Right. Yeah. So then the yoga for normals that was that was like your first yoga exposure was that before this no that no. was that was a thing like this studio yoga for normals was the name of a studio at manchak and south lamar there's a there's an apartment complex called bell south there now oh, yeah. and right behind it is a little strip center where there's like a a domino's or a pizza hut or something in there but there in that strip center there was a yoga studio called yoga for normals and their whole thing, their entire like model was yoga's good, but it's weird. So we're gonna make it, we're gonna we're gonna make it good for normal people. Um, and their idea of how to do that was to remove all the Sanskrit. So it was basically it was like the tech it was the textbook definition of cultural appropriation of yoga, you know. Yeah. Um, and they didn't just like go with English names of the poses, like they didn't just call. Virabhadrasana warrior, they went Texan, like hardcore Texan. <laughs> Warrior poses were cowboy poses. <laughs> Triangle was Lone Star, and Cobra was Rattlesnake. That's what oh, I <laughs> It was so dumb. I went with like two other girls from my from my Ashtanga training program because um, it was during that it was like two thousand one, two thousand two era where. We were like, we're going to go check out this studio. We hear it's hilarious. And we were like, what is happening? This is, this is weird. <laughs> right. Wow. The amount of like thought and time somebody had to put into like renaming everything. They really just thought they were doing the world a favor. Like they really, they spent some time on it. They took out a business loan. <laughs> they did all the work to make it happen. And I was like, they underestimated the city that they were in. Like if right. there's a place you can get away with being weird and doing yoga, it's this one. Right. Yeah. It's that didn't last very long. Did it? No, it, I, they were, they were open for less than a year. Yeah. Huh. So what's it like right now? Cause I, I actually moved away. I don't know if you know, I moved to Venice, California. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I kind of, a lot of stuff changed after the pandemic. A lot of things closed. Some studios tried to open um, and kind of struggled. So like, what's what does it feel like now teaching in Austin? Like, what's the community feel like? Um, I've been mostly like getting really deeply involved in the Black Swan teaching community. Yeah. Um, just because it's where I teach the most. Um, and they've they've really given me a lot of freedom to pursue things that I want to pursue. Like I, I have a class on Saturday morning, Sunday mornings now where um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to 
I've always had problems like figuring out how gay can I be in public, you know, like because the answer is like pretty fucking gay. <laughs> uh, I I I'm I'm very gay myself personally, but I was I've always struggled with how much of that can I put into my teaching, you know, like. I'm always afraid it's going to be too much and it's going to scare people away. Um, but that's, I mean, that's probably because I'm almost 50. I'm going to be 50 this summer. You know, like I grew up in a different era, like coming out is not the celebration that it is now. You know, like I, right. I've been in situations where I've, I've been attacked in public. I've been, I've been beaten and then, and then harassed by cops for daring to report that I got attacked in public, you know, like, wow. I grew up in a different era where being openly gay was not celebrated constantly. So I have always struggled with like, how gay can I be in my professional life? Cause that's what teaching yoga is. It is something that I pursue because I love it and I enjoy it, but it is also my job. Yeah. So I thought I'm going to just roll with this and see what happens. And I started teaching my, my Sunday morning class and calling it gay church. Cause it happens on Sunday mornings. Um, and it exploded. Like <laughs> it went from a class of like 30, 35 people to we typically have now anywhere between like 75 to 95 people um, in there on Sunday. We're packed. We're packed That's in cool. tight. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I, I play, I play some fun music. We do a lot of really intense, sweaty asana, um, but it's so much fun and more than, more than the, well, you know, you know how I teach. I'm very yeah. fond of like saying you can do this or that or nothing at all. You know, I, you do what you want. I often, and I always start with a whole, you know, mini lecture on, I'm going to suggest yoga at you and you're going to engage with this practice at whatever level you want. I'm not going to force you to do anything. Oh, also I don't touch people anymore. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. touch or adjust anymore. Um, so that way people don't feel pressure to have to perform, have to do something. Hmm. We get together, we listen to music, we do some yoga. It's hilarious. Like it's it's great. We have a good time. And black, you know, like Black Swan is just like, holy shit, your numbers are great. What are you doing? And I was like, I'm being incredibly gay. And <laughs> it's being received so well. Like for a while, my class was listed in the Austin Chronicle in their in their uh their gay section as a as an ongoing public event to go to, nice. you know. So we were we were just getting this. We've got this huge mixed crowd um, of people, but it's super fun. Um, yeah, Black Swan lets me do whatever I want. I forgot the point of this. Uh, just kind of like what the city feels like, but I like where you went oh, with it a lot better. It's it feels different. Like I I want to say I teach in a few different studios. Um, my school requirements have like got me. Like I only have regular classes at Black Swan, but I'm on the sub list for a couple of other places as well. Um, and the vibe of a studio is definitely important to me, as well as what their offering is. If they've got offerings that that don't that it, that don't sit well with me, I don't put a lot of energy into into that studio. Yeah. Um, in fact, I've even quit working at studios because they just seem like not a good fit for me. Um, yeah. But it's different everywhere. Like Black Swan has this really strong community vibe. You know, like now they've, they've got a lot of chill classes on the schedule. Chill is what they call gentle there. <laughs> so um, it started off as just my, you know, those those Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But now you've, we've got classes happening almost every night of the week um, in there. So there's a wider variety of, of like students, you know, ages, body types, abilities, um, the racial demographic of Black Swan has shifted dramatically, um, which is fantastic. You know that that's been my goal to get more black and brown bodies on mats in the rooms. Um, yeah. As a brown man myself, you know, like it's really important for me to see people who look like me sharing this practice. Um, yeah. But I've been to other studios. Like I walked into a studio to take a class and it was it just, I immediately knew it was not for me. You know, the posters on the wall were discussing the workshops that were coming up and it was, I don't know. It just, it felt, it felt a little off. If if you're yeah. offering, they were offering, I want to say, I don't remember what they were calling it, but it was some kind of like psychology based relationship, situational thing. 
you know, where you would do a lot of stuff. And I went to one and it was a lot of crying. Hmm. Uh, and that's like the, the teacher who was running it was asking these really intense and emotionally invasive questions and getting people to cry. And I get that catharsis like that can be a really healing moment for some people, but um, there was no aftercare component to it. You know, there was no like decompression afterwards or aftercare to help people sort things out and put it back together and figure out what they learned from that session. It was just, let me ask you this question and make you cry. And now bye. Wow. Um, and I realized that's, that's not for me. I yeah. I cannot, um, I can't support a business that, that, that does this kind of thing. And you're doing the, the therapy training now. Are you planning to do that as a separate practice or integrate that into the yoga therapy you've already doing or so the yoga therapy that I'm already doing is going strong. Like I, I love the work that I do. Um, I'm pursuing a, I'm pursuing an LPC license eventually with like my, with a master's degree, I'll be able to pursue other licenses. So that's in the future, but I want to be a therapist. So that way I can integrate a lot of the yoga meditation and deep relaxation and stress management stuff that I learned as a yoga therapist into a more clinical setting. Yeah, it's, I want to say that like my one of the biggest things that I don't love about the industry of teaching yoga is that we're not a regulated field. Right. Like literally anybody can call themselves a yoga teacher um, with no formal training or education. Right. We're not it's not a it's not a protected industry, not a protected or regulated field like being a massage therapist is. Um, and because we because of that, we don't have any sort of legal protections or legal rights, and our students don't have any any form of recourse against teachers who injure them, or um, there's no real way to find a, a teacher who will meet your needs. Right. So I think that with a, like, if I'm a therapist, um, I will be regulated by the state, um, whatever states I'm licensed in, um, and that will you know, be a nice, a nice green flag, a green light for, for people who want to find a therapist. And I just happen to bring other modalities in my yoga background, um, meditation background. I'm a massage therapist still. Um, and I did a personal training certification at the beginning of the pandemic also. So like, and I'm not saying I'm going to like make my clients work out. Um, I'm right. just saying that sometimes moving a body around is a good way to get things going. You, with all that different background, though, I always feel, you know, and I was training with you mostly before you did some of these trainings, but like, I always feel like you held a really good boundary. Like if you're teaching Ashtanga, it's Ashtanga. If you're teaching gentle, it's gentle. And, and then even with all these different modalities, like if you're doing yoga therapy, it's yoga therapy. You know, I think that's something that with all these different skills, like I think you've had a really good job of like keeping the boundaries of this is the scope of this practice right yeah that's one of the things that was really um instilled in me by sharon moon uh she was very big on like make sure that you are keeping your traditions separate and you're you're not um altering them make sure that you are giving credit to the source you know like this is ashtanga yoga this is you know this is we are doing this or you know, oh, now we're going to be doing some Hatha yoga. Now we're going to be doing this. And also telling your clients what you're doing as you're doing it. So that way they know. Um, informed consent is a huge, important component in any healing process. So like telling people, okay, we're going to move on to a little bit of self-massage. When I work with my clients, I don't massage them in session, but I will teach them how to massage themselves, you know, just because it's a weird, it would be, a, I feel like it would be a strange liability to like be someone's therapist, but then massaging them simultaneously. Yeah. And is that part of why you stopped doing assists too in classes? Um, I really stopped doing assists because I don't love being assisted myself. Uh. Um, and I think that, and I'm very open about this with a lot of my clients. I'm teaching the class that I wish I could take. Yeah. I don't think that any one yoga teacher is teaching yoga the right way the best way or the traditional way. I think that all of us are simply drawing upon the skills and the tools that we have 
which are things that we've cultivated out of our own love for these things. So even though we like, we may think this is the best way of practicing yoga. This tradition is the one in actuality. It's just the one that we like the most, right. you know? So I tell people all the time, every yoga teacher that you meet, including myself right now is simply teaching the yoga class that they wish they were taking right now. Yeah, that's pretty much my approach. Maybe I got that from you. <laughs> I mean, we both probably got it from Sharon. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So like just for the listeners, I think we worked together for about two years, a year and a half, maybe. It was like a mentorship kind of role. I was like yeah. subbing your classes a lot. Mostly just a gentle and hatha, I think. Um, mostly gentle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gentle folks loved you so much. Oh, it was so fun. I I learned like, uh, you know, I'd be teaching a class and like about 30 minutes in or in like some restorative pose and be like, okay, now this is where Cable would usually tell a really good joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I told the worst joke last night. Do you want to hear it? I said, oh my God, I just won the Scarecrow Award for yoga. And someone was like, what's the Scarecrow Award? And I said, it's for being outstanding in your field. Oh. <laughs> That's a winner. Somebody groaned out loud. <laughs> oh, those are called dad jokes now. They weren't called dad jokes back then. No, no you didn't. Yeah, but, but I just, I mean... That goes back to just a real simple philosophy that I have and and also ties into teaching the class you wish you could take. My body, oh my God, I have my body has a has a um I don't know, I've got weird ability. How about that? I'll just say I've got weird ability. I can't do a lot of things that I used to do. Um and I, I, I would push myself really hard in practice. And this like I would push myself really hard and I was practicing one day with Sharon and she was like, you look like you're in pain. And I said, I am, it hurts. And she said, you're still trying to practice the way that you did. Oh, this is after I broke my spine. She said, you're still trying to practice the way that you did after, before you broke your spine. And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to get back to that. And she said, um, your spine is different now. You, you'll, you can't, but you can't do that practice again. Your body will not do it. Because yoga can't fix bones, you know, and you need to just mourn that and get over it. <clears throat> and then she told me, yoga is supposed to make you feel better. If you're feeling bad about it, like if you hurt yourself, that's one thing. You, you know that if you hurt yourself, that the practice wasn't good for you. But if you're feeling guilty or sad about your practice, it's also not good for you identify that and I, what i took from that was find the things that you love about practice and try to find it in different ways and so the idea of like yoga is supposed to be good for you was revolutionary for me and i thought what is it that makes me what do i like well i want to leave a yoga practice feeling good in my body or maybe in my mind or maybe in my emotions you know like i just want to feel good on some level and then i thought what is it that makes me feel good well a good practice where I stretch my muscles, feel good, where I move my joints, that feels great in my body. Um, and I always feel lighter emotionally after moving and sweating. And then I thought about like, what makes me feel lighter in my brain? I don't know, sometimes I just need a good laugh or yeah. some good music, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and just to be clear for the listeners, the there was a car accident where you broke your spine, not a yoga class. Right? It was not a yoga class. No, I was, <laughs> I was actually on a, on a moped and I, I hit up, there was, it was outside of a home Depot. Somebody, there was a, like a, a small, a small thing of like a can of oil had fallen off the back of a truck and broken. Uh -huh. And I hit a patch of oil and I landed badly and broke my spine and uh, took, took a while to like heal up and get back to yoga. I talked the whole time though. <laughs> it was nuts i would perch up in the middle of the room and just kind of like rotate around and look at everyone and that's when i got to be really good with names like i would yell from across the room jeremy do this you know? <laughs> right i think yeah you, you have a arm injury at some point too 
I broke my wrist. I okay. slipped and fell and yeah. I broke my wrist. I have arthritis in both shoulders. Um, and I found out at the beginning of the pandemic, I started going to see a chiropractor because I had neck issues. Um, and they did an x-ray of my spine and my pelvis is tilted from the car accident, from my scooter accident. My left hip tilts backward, my right hip tilts forward, and my spine has a 30-degree curve in the lumbar. Oh. Um, yeah, no, I I always wondered because whenever I did like overhead presses in the gym, um, my left my left arm would be higher than my right. <laughs> and my friend, one of my friends was like, why is it always higher on that side? Turns out it's because of my cur- the curve in my spine. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of that shape, raising the audio, raising your arms overhead. Uh, I always remember one of my favorite little cableisms. Uh, I, I do this sometimes still in classes. Like, now raise your arms overhead like a Y. Now touch your shoulders like an M. Now make a big C. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm just like sometimes teaching yoga for me is just an excuse to be a little chaotic, you know, yeah. just to bring it just to just to make myself smile sometimes. It's great. I mean, every class pretty much I took of yours, I remember laughing at some point. It's always fun. And like also like deep work. Like it's not just a joke. Like it's it's fun and deep work. And I love that. You know, that that is a really important thing. Like I I if you go to my classes, you're gonna, you know, if you go to a flow class, you're gonna hear some dance music, you know. Um, and I'll tell some jokes and I'll have a I'll have I'll have a great time. But there's always some, I'm always working from some sort of, you know, philosophical or, or, you know, personal point of view that I'm trying to convey, you know, there's always, there's always something I'm trying to, to get through. So I I remember, I I know that I'm sure that there are some people out there who think like, oh, he's not for me. That's too goofy. And that's fine. I'm not for everyone. Sure. Um, But I share a lot in my class. I share a lot of my personal stuff in my classes because I'm trying to remove this idea of like your yoga teacher is the all wise, all knowing keeper of the mystical secrets. That's not who I am. I've never tried to keep any secrets. And <laughs> oh, I just, I, I try to share things that are personal to let people know, like yoga is here to help you through some of this hard shit, you know? Yeah. Yoga, yoga can, the thing that I've been saying a lot lately is yoga is a good way to change how you are. Like every day you have the opportunity to get on your mat and change how you feel and changing how you feel regularly leads to the development of a really great discerning mind and the choices that you get used to making here on your mat can become choices that you get, that you start making out there in the real world where your actions have a big giant effect on yourself and everyone around you. So the the slow and steady act of changing how you are regularly can eventually become the act of changing who you are. Yeah. This is reminding me why I liked your classes so much. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I'm a giant goofball. I am. <laughs> I'm goofy and I'm weird and I I love I and I love I love sharing that because it took me a lot of work, a lot of deep hard yoga to get to get comfortable enough with who I am as a person to be able to share this. This is another thing, like this is the yoga teacher training podcast. So I'll share with, I'll share this. As a yoga student, you learn a lot on your mat. I'm gar- I guarantee you that the people that are listening to this are going to be people who have been on a yoga mat and have learned a lot to the point that they are suddenly curious about teacher training, right? So as a student on a mat, you learn until you're kind of saturated like a sponge. Then you go to a yoga teacher training program and you just begin the process of wringing yourself out. Um, and then in that process, like with a sponge, you lose a lot, but you retain a lot. Yoga teacher trainings are not where you learn everything there is to know about yoga. Yoga teacher training programs are where you go to refine the already existing thoughts that you have to figure out what do I want to explore even further? What do I want to learn more? What kind of skeleton am I putting together? And then when you know that, you begin to dress it up. You know, you learn more about the things that you feel passionate about or that you love, and you become the person who teaches that thing. Yeah, I've heard it 
said by other teachers, like it's not the end or, okay, you, you're a student and then you become a teacher. It's the beginning of like, you realize how much, how deep it goes, how much there is to learn. Yeah. I, oh my God, I I've done at least 50 hours of yoga teacher training every year for the past 22 years. Wow. Like it's, it's a lot. I've been teaching for over 20 years now. It blows my mind. I tell people, they're like, well, what is your job? And I'm like, I'm a yoga teacher. And they're like, is that really your job? And I'm like, it's how I pay my bills. I've done it for over 20 years. Like, yeah, yeah this is, this is not my job. This is my career. You know, like, right. this is, this is what I do as a grown up. And you're currently teaching in two teacher trainings right now? Yes. I, I'm teaching in the advanced studies program for Black Swan Yoga right now. Um, I, I'm going to be teaching a trauma-informed module for them. Um, I teach in the in their 200-hour program. Um, typically around like I'll like I'll do an uh, I'll do the intro to Ashtanga because I'm an Ashtanga teacher. Um, but I'll also do like this past week I taught I taught a couple of hours on uh, ethics for yoga teachers. And um, equity versus equality in the yoga in, the, in a yoga setting, um, because I'm also a social worker. Um, yeah. And then I teach in the waking yoga program with Jen Wooten, um, yeah. which you know you and I are both big fans of Jen Wooten. Yeah. Uh, when she started this, when she started this program, it was like she contacted me in 2019, and she said. I have a proposition. And I was like, and I immediately said, yes, I'll do it. And she <laughs> said, I didn't even ask you. And I said, no, but I'll do it. And she said, no, but you don't even know what I'm going to ask you to do. And I said, Jen, when the Supreme of your coven asks for a favor, you say yes. <laughs> she was like, okay. And then she just laid it out for me, putting together a trauma-informed 200-hour program. Will you, are you interested? And I was like, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. What do you, you know, like this is something for people who might be listening to this who are out like in the middle of a smaller town or smaller community that don't have quite the size of community to work with as Austin and the teacher base and all this and trying to create more inclusive spaces and this kind of thing. Like what kind of suggestions might you have for somebody in that kind of situation? Are they now in this in this hypothetical situation, are they perhaps looking for uh, for a space that, to fit into? Let's say both, like somebody wanting to create a space or somebody looking to find a space or these kind of, okay. yeah. For somebody who's looking to find a space, I think it, it, I always like to default to the, like the safest possible way of doing things. Like if you don't feel like you belong in the general space of a yoga classroom, Google it. Yeah. Find, you know, just like type in, is there yoga for this? You know, like some of the classes that that I've been a I've had a part in um, teaching have been like yoga for the queer and trans community. You know, um, so Google that queer trans yoga Austin. You know, right. you can there are there are a few options now. Um, Google that, um, or if there are other affinity groups for that particular identity. Go to a meeting for that. If you, I mean, more than likely you've got friends who are going to them. I don't know. Depends on how small the town is, right? Um, right. If there's an affinity group for that area, go to go to that and find out what what options are. And maybe someone knows of a yoga class, or um, maybe somebody has a friend who's a yoga teacher who would be willing to teach a small private group to this that you could coordinate on. That's um, how that one started. I remember when I was starting the yoga for queer and trans is like a small group and just a kind of grassroots thing. And yeah. Yeah. That was the queer yoga collective. Yeah. That was founded by me and Kelly Marshall. Um, and we were, yeah, it's, it's become a whole thing. And you know, this is another reason to love Jen Wooten. Uh, we were like, Hey, waking yoga program. Awesome. Let's talk scholarships for, for trans folk, you know, cause we need more. And totally a selfish move on my part to be like, I want a scholarship for trans people, you know, right. and Jen, because she's an amazing person. is just like, absolutely. Let's do it. So there's, there've been a handful of trans folk coming who've come through the program um, and are, you know, out there actively teaching. So I think that to circle back to your original question, yeah. how do you find the community? Be safe. 
Like if you're if you're working from a marginalized identity um, and you don't feel safe walking into a studio and asking if they have anything like that, go to their websites. You know, uh, do just do a little bit of Google sleuthing and um, find out what's available. And if there's nothing available, if it's a town that small, um, then maybe you can hire a teacher. You know, right. um, and if you're a yoga teacher who is trying to create the space, this is kind of hard work. Yeah. Um, my recommendation is that you try to serve communities that you have a connection to. Um, I know that I want to, like, for example, at Yoga Yoga, I wanted to teach yoga classes for cancer survivors um, because I, I have family members who are cancer survivors and it wasn't a big hit. And, and it wasn't because the yoga was bad or the cancer survivors weren't around. There were plenty, um, but they couldn't relate to me. Yeah. I Somebody told me very uh, openly, they said, hey, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. But, you know, there's like 90% of the people in here are recovering from breast cancer and you have never had to deal with breast cancer. You know, not only have you never had cancer, but you've never had breasts. And that's not a thing that you can ever relate to. And sometimes we just want to talk about that. And I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. Let me find the options for you. And there was another teacher uh, who was running a breast cancer survivor group at a different studio, at, at, at the Westgate studio. We were, we were up north. And I was like, there's this class. It's happening at Westgate. It's, you know, got a solid base of practitioners. If you jump into that. I'm sure you'll find what you want. Um, wow, I didn't know that was you. You started that yoga for cancer survivors. Wow. No, that was, it. It had actually been going. I'm oh, okay. Her name. I'm trying to remember her name. Kelly Insel. Kent Kelly Inselman had, was teaching it. Oh, she okay. had been teaching it for a while already down in South Austin. I wanted to start one up in North Austin, and it just wasn't a good hit because the students couldn't relate to me. Right. But I sent them to her, and they loved it. Perfect. Yeah. Um, now, like with my gay church class on Sunday, it's become popular because I am very gay and I talk about it. I uh, I led classes for the Phoenix. Are you familiar with the Phoenix? No. The Phoenix is a nationwide so active sober lifestyle group. Okay. They provide free physical outdoors activities and like indoor gym activities at places all over the country for free for people who are sober. Cool. Um, and I like led some classes for them on Saturday nights, you know, like Saturday night yoga, like come, come do yoga instead of going out to the bar <laughs> situation, you know, um, because I'm also sober, you know, and I talk about that in my classes. So people will come up to me after class and be like, Hey, I'm curious about sobriety. Can we talk, you know? Um, and it creates this atmosphere of like, connection and then i can tell them where to go because they're sober yoga classes all over the city now right i feel like if you are trying to foster community for specific communities or or identities one of the best ways to do it is to pick something that you identify with that you connect with and then to actively talk about it make that part of your identity known um so that way people can relate to you um and your space if you're if you're already teaching a class the already existing thing that you're doing might become the space that people gravitate towards for that. I'm realizing as we talk, like part of what I feel like there's so much to talk about and still, and I got to finish up in a minute, but it's like, because over the years, you're always sharing so openly that I'm like, Oh, I remember, you know, you had your scooter accident and you had this and that. And like all these stories that you're always sharing, it's not just like, you know, do a pose, do a pose, do a pose. I think that's like one of your greatest gifts. And I feel like I know you really well, you know, relative to most teachers or like even teachers I practice with a lot. Like I know, I feel like I have more of a connection to you because of how much you share your identity, share your experience. And I'm just like realizing that now as we're talking, like there's so many cable stories that are just like right there at the top yeah. of my head. Well, I'm I'm always trying to be like more realistical and less magical mystical. You know? <laughs> That's cable. <laughs> I like things that rhyme. It's goofy. <laughs> I always you know what you know what if I if I if I had the if I had the nerve 
I would be one of those yoga teachers who just said things that rhymed all the time. Uh, you just like, did it. I, I would, I would be like the teacher that's like, they would bring you into a twist and say, you got to revolve to evolve, you know, oh, God. I would say, just so dumb. <laughs> I would probably not come back to that class. Sorry. I mean, I would walk out, I would roll <laughs> my back and just go no and walk out. But like, Oh, I'm, I had a, I had a, there was somebody who taught at yoga yoga and I'm not going to name names, but they would say things like that. And it was so dumb but they believed it like right. you could feel it they believed that with all of their heart and i was like i love that you love that and i'm going to come back because you clearly love what you're doing and to see somebody just like so passionate about what they're doing made me really happy for them you know yeah yeah i mean i think that's it i mean and that and that's part of your appeal i think too it's like you're just being yourself. And I feel like it's what I'm hearing is like you're just even more and more yourself now, 20 years in wow. than ever. My when I when I started going back to school and telling my my students, like, oh my God, school is going really well, you know, and I'm really looking forward to this. I'm I'm graduating soon. And one of my students was like, Oh no, I I can't imagine not being able to do yoga with you on in the mornings. And I was like, Oh, do you think I'm gonna stop? Because I'm not <laughs> gonna stop. Like I'm going to do that in addition to this. Like I'm going to do both of these things at the same time. That's right. going to be the nice thing about being a counselor is that I'm going to make my own schedule. Yeah. I'm going to awesome. make it work around my teaching schedule because I can't imagine not teaching yoga. Right. It's got, like, it got me through some of the hardest, darkest parts of my life. You know, um, like at the beginning of the pandemic, at the, the end of my marriage, the end of yoga, yoga, and then a global pandemic. I was, I was shaken to the very core of my being living alone in a 400 square foot studio apartment, living alone for the first time ever in my whole life. I've never lived alone. Wow. Um, and I was like, okay, okay, okay. I can do this. I'm going to put down my yoga mat first thing in the morning and I'm going to move through the Ashtanga primary series and I'm going to be so strong and so powerful. And I would put down my yoga mat every morning at about seven in the morning. And then I would do a sun salutation and cry for an hour, like lay on the ground and just cry and sob and then get back in bed. And you know what? I'm going to consider it a practice. And it got me, it got me through the hardest part of my life. Wow. And even with that, it's like, something I think a lot of people would hide or withhold or not feel like it's okay to share. But I still remember when that was happening, you were like asking for help on Facebook, like talking about your experience. Like yeah. people are helping you like furnish the place. Oh my God. I, yes. When I moved into that apartment and I took a picture of my new apartment and all it was, was a, an air mattress on the floor. <laughs> I, you know, like, that was on a like a Monday or a Tuesday or something. The next Saturday, there was a knock on my door and it was a, one of the students I knew from yoga. And I've known her for a long time, Heather. She'd been in all my classes for 20 something years, you know. She was like, hey, come outside. There was a small truck out there loaded with furniture. Wow. And I got off. Selena Pang gave me a brand new bed and chest of drawers. And people were dropping off artwork. My students were like, you can't live like this. You And one person said, you've taken, okay, I'm going to cry about this. Mm -hmm. um, one person said, you've taken care of us for so long that it's your turn now and you're not allowed to say no. And I was like, uh, oh crap, I'm going to, you know, I I love my community. You know, like wow. I, I can't imagine not doing this. I got chills up my spine hearing that. It's beautiful. I'm very lucky. Yeah. You know, and that's like, I think some newer teachers maybe like don't realize the kind of impact and ripple effect of the teaching and like, yeah, you don't make a ton of money teaching a drop-in class, but the impact you have and the connection you make in the community you build, it's just like this amazing sort of ripple effect that sometimes you receive like, you know, like you receive back from that community or see the impact you've had on them. Um, but it's not always like this upfront, like, you know, I'm going to get rich teaching yoga. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, I know that I could lead retreats 
You know, right. like, I know enough students that I could be like, hey, we're going to the, we're going to the, the to the coast of Italy. Come with us, and you know, I could I could make plenty of money doing that if I wanted to. Thing is, I don't I don't really want. I don't know. I don't think I don't think I need to. Yeah, my my needs are met doing what I'm doing, and I enjoy what I'm doing. Right. Um, I could get rich if I wanted to, but like that's never been my goal for this. You know, my right. goal for this has been like to make the world a little better by simply making like a one person happier. You know, if 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 the people that leave the classroom are just a little less angry, or if their body hurts a little bit less, chances are they'll go about their day a little more focused or a little less angry. And that'll, that's making the world a better place. It is. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for your time, Cable. And uh, where can people find you to stay in touch? Um, I'm in Austin, Texas at Black Swan Yoga. I teach primarily at the Anderson Lane location. Um, you can find me there Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays at 9 a.m., for a chill class. I also teach chill on Wednesday nights at 7.30 there. I have an Ashtanga class there on Friday mornings at 10.30. And I have flow on Tuesday nights at 7.30. That's a class we call the gay agenda because I will <laughs> often, I will often bring in elements of social theories or because I have a minor in social behavioral science. So I'll discuss some elements of social theory or discuss some social events that are going on. Um, and then Sunday morning at 1030, my biggest class of the week is gay church, um, which is a big giant dance party where you're going to sweat your entire face off. And then uh, social media, Instagram, anything? Oh, I I mean, my, my social media, like my Instagram is at Kevel, K-E-W-A-L. But it's literal garbage. Like it's just, <laughs> you know, my my lonely things project. It's garbage yeah. that I find on the ground. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> that was not an exaggeration. That's literal garbage. Yes. It's actual pieces of garbage <laughs> that I think look sad and lonely, and I take. <laughs> yes, uh, that is worth checking out. If anyone has not seen <laughs> the Lonely Things series, it's fun. Uh, cool. Well, thank you, Cable. And uh, I hope we get to talk again on this podcast soon. Awesome. I'd love to. Thanks for having me on, Jeremy. Thank you. Take care.